A Thread of History Tea House Poems to Nurture the Past and Rewild the Spirit A Podcast by Caroline Kershaw Episode 1 To All the Old Souls The other day I received a book in the mail from my mother. The title? An Adventure. My first impression was that the subtitle, A True Story of Time Travel, seemed rather dubious. Nevertheless, I devoured the volume in one sitting. An Adventure recounts a famous 1901 incident involving two female scholars from Oxford. The women, Eleanor Jourdain and Charlotte Anne Moberly, were visiting the grounds of the Petit Trianon near the Palace of Versailles on a hot August day when they began feeling oddly oppressed. Moments later, they experienced what the book's editor calls a time slip, during which they supposedly slipped into Queen Marie Antoinette's memory of the afternoon of August 10, 1792. This is the day the monarchy fell, and also the last day the Queen would have visited her beloved Petit Trianon. It has taken us nine years to work out all the details which bear witness to the strangeness of what we saw and did at Versailles in August 1901, the two women wrote. My mother also sent me a link to a doctoral thesis with a chapter examining Jordan and Moberly's story. It is titled Phenomenal Bodies and Temporality in the Fin de Siècle, and I smile as I think of the curiosity that has been her saving grace. It occurs to me that, doubtful as the time travel adventure of these two women surely is, my mother's and my fascination with this tale, and in fact with anything to do with France, is evidence of a preoccupation with details that bear witness to our own haunted family history. Like Jourdain and Moberly, we needed many years to come to terms with the strangeness of a present haunted by people long gone by things and events which are no more. But what is the link to Versailles? Why the particular fascination with this place? As a young girl growing up in a fractious household in working-class Brooklyn, my mother dreamt of learning French, of living in France, of experiencing civilization. My own childhood, relatively quiet, was shaped by the gloomy obsessions of the adults around me, and I sought escape and refuge in a Japanese anime and its story of a woman forced into the role of military officer for the Royal Guard at Versailles. Years later, I would seek to examine my childhood interest in Lady Oscar and the context that nurtured it. In doing so, I've come to see the parallels between Jourdain and Moberly's account of their visit with the ghosts of the Trianon and our own adventure. In the glittering past and terrifying fate of the inhabitants of Versailles, we hear, writ small, echoes of the rise and disintegration of a family, and perhaps of a country as well. My essay, A Bloody Song, is a first attempt to examine the enduring mystery of time travel, in this case, an adult's voyage to the enchanted world of childhood and back again. The aim is to uncover the adult narrative within the Lady Oscar storyline, I realize that one of my reasons for revisiting the series' dark fairy tale realm is to save a beloved animated character 
from feeling abandoned, as I once did, and as we all sometimes do. That was the preface of my book, A Bloody Song, How Anime and Literature Collide. In this podcast, I would like to present you with a sort of sequel to the book, a sequel in the form of an oral scrapbook or thought collage of my musings and feelings about, quote, the enduring mystery of time travel, meaning the emotional and spiritual investigation of how the past feeds into the present. I speak of feeling abandoned in the preface to my book. It's a complicated feeling. It has to do with childhood, of course, but it's also tied up with the fact that I feel very keenly the loss of a great many precious aspects of life in contemporary society. The loss of beauty, the loss of nature, the loss of emotional connection and intimacy, the loss of what used to be called character, the loss of spirituality. I don't think we realize the full extent of our losses but they do create a terrible void we all attempt to fill on a daily basis. Modern alienation breeds profound loneliness, both emotional and spiritual, and I'm sure many of you feel it as much as I do. But one of the strangest losses I find is our loss of any sense of history. As an artist and an author, I offer you my poems as a means of revisiting this lost part of us and re-enchanting our lives. But why should one revisit the past exactly? I will answer as best I can. You may have the feeling, as I do, that our deep connection to history is rarely mentioned or even thought about in the West, as if such a thing were deeply irrelevant or even shameful. I certainly feel that something is missing from most conversations I hear about spirituality. You hear about living in the moment, embracing the present, feeling the oneness of the universe and all that, but you never hear about the past, about our connection to history. It is as if, deep down, we felt the past to be unworthy of our thoughts, even somehow impure. Yet our body and mind, our biology, our psychological makeup, all of these are the past. They are the complex products of a very, very long history. I personally believe that this negation of our historical selves in the West is actually rooted to a great degree in our negation of nature, of the natural world, and I'll have much more to say about that in a future episode. But for now, I'll just say that I myself feel a deep connection to the past, which is difficult to explain. Things that were alive for me 25 years ago are just as alive for me today People, places, events are not merely memories, but vibrant and alive and real. Maybe some of you feel similarly. Perhaps some of you may feel like I do, that they are somehow in the world, but not of it. Maybe some of you find this contradiction in themselves to be difficult to live with, or even painful. This podcast is in honor of all of you, my kindred spirits, fellow companions in contemplation. These poems are offered in honor of all the old souls out there. I recently moved to Quebec City from Montreal, and the move seems to me a kind of mirror of a particular spiritual journey. I was actually born here, but left a good many years ago. They say that you can't go home again, and yet I find that my connection to this place is still strong. 
my connection to the landscape in particular, the cottage, the lake, the mountains, to my grandmother's old house as well. I drink in their beauty now, just as I did as a child, perhaps more. It occurs to me that home is also the past. Home is also where history lies. We tend to conveniently forget this in the West, and perhaps especially in North America. We're too busy forging full steam ahead in the name of something called infinite progress. We're too busy here trying to brand ourselves, too obsessed with the glittering promise of the new, of the polished, in a word, perhaps, of the, quote, happiness industry, to bother casting a glance backward into the depths of history and of our own authentic selves. To be clear, revisiting the past does not aim at romanticizing it. It is rather our romanticizing of the present, of the supposedly infinite possibilities of the present moment, which tends to get us into trouble. In an important sense, we live in contemporary Western societies in a prison of an eternal present. We're kind of locked into the narrative of an eternal, changeless present. A perpetual state of newness, which a lot of so-called spiritual practices encourage us to sustain and perpetuate. Of course, there's nothing wrong with living in the moment. That is what we should truly embrace. What is wrong-headed is denying and silencing the past in order to live the myth of an eternal present. It actually amounts to a kind of death in life. To revisit and nurture the past is a means to explore and understand how it feeds into and continues to shape our real lives. Reading through the curious little tale recounted in Jourdain and Moberly's adventure, I am again reminded that we are eternal creatures of the past. Some of us could even be called children of history rather than of our own parents. Take a moment to think about what that phrase might mean. I wish her to speak in particular to all those who either often or just very fleetingly feel haunted by the light and shadow cast by the memory of lost loved ones, of places long gone, of events long past. I know you believe, as I do, that such a haunted feeling is just as much a part of us as the lighter moods which wash over us during the course of our complicated lives. Some people would call the feeling I describe as some sort of new-agey gimmick or even a reference to occult practices. This sort of interpretation is obviously wrong-headed, superficial. All of us are made up of a body and mind. All of us try to grapple with the fundamental problems of life. The spiritual dimension is simply one which we have long neglected in our Western societies. Thus it has become almost foreign to us. What if the connection, the sense of history I am talking about, were simply another word for the power of contemplation? After all, shining a light onto past worlds, past lives, is really only shining an honest light onto oneself. And what we learn there, what we learn thanks to this heightened sensation of the past and of our own place in the world, is a form of spiritual encounter unto itself. What if we dared to renew and rewild our spirits by exploring the landscape of the past on its own terms? What if out of this encounter the landscape of our own dreams were fully revealed to us? 
You may have guessed by now that I'm a contemplative. I wish at bottom to make my life into a life of contemplation. I'm sure many of you do as well. I recently finished a book titled The Abundance of Less, Lessons in Simple Living from Rural Japan. And I came across a beautiful quote by one of the people the author visits there. He says, quote, I want to be someone who has time. There is a word in Japanese, furyu, made of the characters of the wind and of flow. People who don't have furyu are not full people. These words really resonate with me. My tea house poems are dedicated to the full people in the world, past and present. In the end, I believe we are all of us old souls, full people, children of history. We are all of us in some form or another, seeking to break away from the prison of changeless present, of an impervious self, in order to understand past worlds, past lives, past narratives. This courageous breaking away serves to breathe life into our future selves. I believe that learning about the past, or even just cultivating a sense of the past, is a way of reconnecting with a secret, shamed, rejected part of ourselves. It's like discovering a secret garden. It is discovering that, in a sense, our souls have all been pre-loved, that we didn't come from nothing. It is discovering a way forward, a healing process, a newly and more authentically spiritual path. It is choosing to lean forward into the wind and flow, into the river of time. To all the full people, the old souls, the children of history, this delicate thought collage is for you. I hope you join me next time as I gift you with another tea house poem. <laughs> <laughs>